From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this week's episode, Lee Blondes, Executive Director of Beacon Interface Housing Collaborative, talks to FNC reporter J.D. Duggan about the need for deeply affordable housing and the growing focus on the issue. Hey, today we have Lee Blondes, uh, Executive Director of Beacon Interface Housing Collaborative, which is a nonprofit that develops affordable and supportive homes. Uh, Lee has been involved with housing work for 30 years in Minnesota and 10 years uh, before that in a different state. Hey, Lee, thanks for being here. Thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about your organization. What is, uh, what is Beacon? So uh, part of what makes Beacon unique is that we are a collaborative of congregations. So uh, we have uh, churches and synagogues and mosques that have all come together uh, to help create homes in the community and uh, to really advance equitable housing uh, throughout the Twin Cities. Great. Um, and what are some notable projects that uh, you've been involved in recently? Uh, I'm excited to say that just this week I was out um, to celebrate the opening of our 19th apartment building um, in the city of Plymouth for families. And then just yesterday, the groundbreaking for BMO Seda, which is Ojibwe for Let's Walk Together, which is focused on helping Native people who are experiencing street homelessness have a supportive uh, housing environment to move into. So part of what makes Beacon unique is that we focus on homes that are for the lowest income in our community, we think it's really important uh, that that is where we focus our resources uh, as a community and that we provide the wraparound services to really help people who are leaving homelessness um, to have the mental health and other supports uh, to be successful in being able to um, uh, stay in their homes and and move from kind of surviving to thriving. Sure, it's all kind of about that continuum, right? Um, Tell me a bit about Bima Seda. We wrote about that. Um, I think two weeks ago now, and uh, can you just tell me what inspired that project and, and give me some of the some of the kind of overview of that? It, it really came from the trauma of the Wall of Forgotten Natives as we saw street homelessness explode here in the Twin Cities and the number of people who were living out on the streets and being able to work collaboratively with Native leaders and in particular Red Lake Nation uh, to envision uh, creating supportive housing and bringing our expertise to the table, but to really focus it on uh, culturally specific services. And it'll be 48 homes in a historic building downtown. Uh, so we're uh, restoring the his, uh, the Rockler Fur building uh, and it'll have wraparound services with Avivo Mental Health, which is our service partner uh, in the building. Great. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about just affordable housing generally. What, um, what, approaches have you seen to creating more affordable housing? Are you seeing any new creative approaches or how have those approaches maybe changed in recent years? What are, what are some of your thoughts? 
we're really excited to see that there is more and more emphasis on all the levels of government toward creating more homes. So um, both at the city and at the county and at the state. Uh, so we are grateful that there are more resources coming and that they are more and more targeted to very low income people. So we've really seen a shift uh, from our public officials with that focus and understanding uh, that the support that is needed um, I think that COVID is something that um, impacted all of us, and we all came to understand just how important home is to keeping ourselves safe uh, and our communities safe. And so that commitment that no one would be out on the streets during that and shelters were opened. But a lot of what we do is that next step from a shelter uh, into a permanent home, and we're seeing more resources come that way. We've been advocating for that for a long time. Um, right now, uh, it's still a ways to go. Um, only about 30% of the resources um, from public officials actually go to the lowest income. So we continue to advocate that that should be greater, um, but it is a change that we're seeing happen. Yeah, when you say 30%, you mean like 30% of resources going toward housing uh, generally are going to the lowest income? Exactly, of the housing dollars that are out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cool. What kind of services are you seeing um, like Bima said, uh, what are what are some of the services that are offered there or that will be yeah. offered there? Yeah, what we find that really works is the individual services um, that everybody coming in um, out of homelessness comes with their own story and their own trauma. And so the the goal is to have the staff that really can meet one on one. So our goal is to have one staff person for every 15 residents. So they really can have individual relationship and really help that individual. Um, move forward in life. Uh, And that can mean mental health services. It can mean chemical dependency services. It can mean employment, education. Um, In our family housing, then it's around providing wraparound services for the children. Um, One of the other big developments we're working on right now is in Scott County, Prairie Point. We would be the very first supportive housing at all in Scott County. So we're really grateful that the county itself has recognized there is homelessness in suburban communities and that they want to be part of the solution with us uh, to really see what we can do to uh, bring down the number of families experiencing homelessness in Scott County. Yeah, I know the um, Representative um, Aisha Gomez started a Preventing Homelessness Division, I think it was in the last session last year. Um, And part of that was about um, showing that homelessness isn't just a metro area issue. Could you uh, speak to that at all? Seeing um, I, I don't know. Do you guys do work in greater Minnesota, things like that? So we're, we're not, we don't actually do development out in greater Minnesota. We do some of our advocacy uh, in, in greater Minnesota, but certainly in the suburban communities here in the Twin Cities. When, uh, um, we were the first um, deeply affordable housing in Adina uh, in 20 years. Yeah. Um, when we opened 66 West, which was for homeless young people. And it was really an experience to understand that there are suburban young people who experience homelessness. And one of the things that was so powerful is that there were a number of city council members who were volunteers at Adina High School through a rotary program. And one of them shared the story that they had been frustrated with the one they were kind of tutoring um, because he kept being late to high school. But he finally disclosed that he actually was homeless and living with an aunt and having to take two buses to get to school. But he had kept it a secret because he was so embarrassed. And so that city council member understood there is homelessness here in in the city of Edina. And really that helped grow the support uh, for creating um, homes that you might not otherwise think are needed in a community. Yeah. 
what would you say um, are some of the key factors to reducing homelessness and helping more people to get into stable housing? I imagine public funding is is maybe the crux of that, but yeah, could you speak to some of that? Yeah, so I think one of the challenges is really to understand how big the problem is and that one of our um, challenges in our current system is that we're not scaled to the problem. Right now, um, the federal rent subsidy program that's been around for a long time, people refer to it as Section 8, it's called Housing Choice Vouchers. Only ha- We only have enough funding in the whole country for one out of four people to get the help that they need. And, you know, from my perspective, that would be like building enough schools so one out of four children could go to school. Um, and so that idea that we just have not created those resources so that we can all have an affordable home is the foundational. Now, a lot of people do manage to keep a home and they're not homeless, but they're paying 50, 60, 70 percent of their income for rent, which means all those other things in life in terms of health care, health insurance, um, a reliable car to get to work. Um, School supplies, all of those things fall by the wayside. And so we're really advocating for a major shift. You know, an example is um, the Met Council and other um, public funders of Section 8 opened up their wait list a couple years ago and 38,000 families asked for help in three days. And um, so they gathered all of those names, but they they knew they didn't want to put them on the bottom of the wait list because there wasn't enough help. And so they then actually drew names and did a lottery for, I think it was about the four or 5,000 families who would go to the bottom of the wait list who might get help in four or five years. And it just helps to understand how huge the problem is and that we need to magnify um, and, and amplify the resources. Uh, one of my colleagues have said at the rate we're going right now um, with the number of homes that we can create each year, it's about 1,000 affordable homes in the Twin Cities a year. From all the all the public resources at the city, county, and state, that we're going to end homelessness in 300 years, Jeez. and so we just have to think differently about this. Right. Um, speaking of that, I mean, how would you say we think differently? My my question was going to be, what are some of the key factors for developers to make affordable housing work? What do you think? Um, what do you think really needs to change? Um, Beacon has been leading a campaign called Bring It Home Minnesota at the state legislature. Um, we have 35 organizations, all the major housing organizations signed on and um, and a number of other organizations that have really come to advocate. And that would provide that rent subsidy uh, to every Minnesotan, uh, 550,000 Minnesotans, mostly children, that would benefit from a rent subsidy. And it's a win-win for, for landlords and tenants. Um, it gives the landlord the money that they need to provide well-maintained and well-managed housing. And it creates the, uh, an affordable rent. Um, it pays the difference between what the family can afford and that cost of uh, a decent apartment. And it, uh, it's about a billion dollars a year, which yeah. sounds like sticker shock. On the other hand, the state budget right now is about $52 billion. So if we could get just about 4% of the state budget, we would be able uh, to end homelessness in the state of Minnesota and end housing instability in the state of Minnesota. Right now, the state only invests less than half of 1% of the state budget goes to housing. I spend a lot of money on healthcare and education, which are both really important. If you don't have a home, a lot of those dollars can go to waste. Um, So kids who aren't doing well in school are often because they're experiencing housing instability. And so 
to shore up those outcomes, if we could just take a slice of that and invest in homes, um, we believe that would dramatically, that would be the transformational change um, to have stable communities. Yeah. Um, what do you think are the obstacles um, keeping lawmakers from from putting a, more of a focus on that? Or do you think that you said that's that's changing? Um, but what do you think is maybe an obstacle to giving more money for housing? Yeah, I think it is about that groundswell um, of support and that we need more people speaking to their public officials about how important it is to them. Uh, we have seen, we're really pleased with Bring It Home Minnesota. Um, over half of the DFL caucus signed on as co-authors to Bring It Home Minnesota, um, which was a huge change from even just a few years ago where housing wasn't talked about as, as a major issue. So we really do see the shift coming. Um, we are disappointed, frankly, that with a $9 billion surplus that Bring It Home was not in the governor's budget. Uh, so we continue to uh, to lean in and ask Governor Waltz uh, to take leadership uh, on this. Um, and we're nervous right now about what's happening in the Senate. There's been bipartisan support in the past for housing infrastructure bonds, which is money to build more homes. Um, and there's been a focus of those dollars going for the kind of housing that Beacon does, deeply affordable. Um, and there's always been bipartisan support. And this year, um, we've heard from uh, Dreheim that he is not supporting housing infrastructure bonds. Uh, and he's the chair of the committee in the Senate that uh, is key to this. So once again, we continue to hope that we'll be able to um, push through um, with our uh, other housing colleagues uh, to be able to ensure that some additional housing will get built this year. Otherwise, it, um, the thousand homes that I talked about, um, we won't even reach that goal. Right. Um, has that been your main point of advocacy at the legislature this session, or have you done any other work at the legislature? Yeah, so our primary focus has been Bring It Home Minnesota and yeah. then bonding. Um, yeah. We've been part of a broader campaign with other housing organizations that's really called for $2 billion to go for homes, um, things like a billion dollars for the rent subsidy and things like that, and a billion dollars for uh, the capital and also for home ownership programs and things like that. So um, we've been part of all of that broader advocacy. Yeah. So reflecting a bit, um, how have you seen housing prioritized as the legislature during this session compared to previous sessions? I know we're, we're getting starting to get down to the wire and who knows what will happen, but what have you seen so far this session? Yeah, there's absolutely is more focus. And you mentioned um, uh, Gomez's uh, attention to homelessness, which I think has been really helpful. We've had a lot of key legislators um, really help lead on that. Mike Howard is the legislator uh, in the House that's been the chief author and um, and really helped um, bring housing to the forefront along with Alice Hausman, who's been a champion for a long time on those issues. So we see a difference um, and we see people like Melissa Hortman um, really stepping forward and wanting to help prioritize um, housing. And right when it when the push gets to you know shove here at the end of the session, um, we're really leaning in to make sure that it will continue to hold with all of those priorities. Yeah. Have you seen any um, proposals that are looking promising and looking like they might uh, go through? Well, we continue to think that bonding is the number one focus um, yeah. for that. Um, and then there have been some other rent protections and tax credits that um, we're hopeful will go through as well. Yeah. Great. Um, I'm not sure I have any other questions. Uh, is there anything you wanted to 
add that I didn't ask about? Um, I just think I would also name just the other changing um, leadership at both the local, um, so we see that in, in the city, um, and um, particularly we do a lot of work in Ramsey and Hennepin County, and the county boards have really stepped into wanting to do more around housing. Ramsey County passed its very first HRA levy um, to devote more resources. And so those are ways in which we are seeing a shift uh, that will allow us to create more homes. And we're really grateful um, for their leadership. Yeah, and they are really focusing specifically on that deeply affordable and that uh, very, very low income bracket, right? Right, and, and Hennepin County as well, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, great. Well, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate hearing your perspective and talking to you. Thanks so much. Right. Take care. Take care.